For the rest of you, here's something you may not know about me. I am a bit of a news junkie. I'm not one who watches cable news. I don't watch the television talking heads. There's a lot of opinion there. But I love to read uh, the news. I have multiple sources, so I read a little on the right. I read a little on the left. It's fascinating to see how two organizations can tell the exact same story and you come across with what seems like two completely different news sources or news stories. And if you're like me and you like to be really informed about the news, you're keeping up with what's going on all around the world, then you have probably come to the same conclusion that so many of us have come to, and that is, the world's going to hell in a (laughs) handbasket. Just this week, you can read stories about the war in Ukraine, the coup in Niger, the unrest in Sudan. I found out 400,000 migrants have passed into Chad in the last couple of months. The earthquakes in Morocco killed thousands. The flooding in Libya killed thousands. North Korean leader Kim Jong-un went and visited with his friend Vlad from Russia. China wants to take back Taiwan. All of South America's in turmoil, and they're heading north up to our borders. All while the, uh, America's breadbasket is so dry that we don't have much wheat to make bread anymore. The bees are dying. The oceans are warming. Our water tables are dropping all while prices are skyrocketing. The opioid epidemic is claiming thousands of lives every year, and our kids are failing math and reading. By the way, COVID's back. So, with all that as the constant drumbeat in the news, it's no wonder that so many people are taking medication for depression and anxiety these days. The fact that they say like 40% of America is on some sort of medication for these two things is just showing the symptom of anxiety and depression are the result of this world that is in such chaos. And so with all of this, what it does really, when you look at the stats of how many people are struggling to cope with what's going on in the world around or in their personal lives, it paints this picture of a world that is filled with people who lack hope. When you look at everything going on in the news, it's easy to feel very unsure about the future. It's easy to feel like your safety nets have kind of fallen away. And That's why so many people just have this fear of what lies ahead. And I know for a lot of people who are struggling with anxiety or depression, it might have nothing to do with the global issues. That's just kind of on the side, a, a reminder of, oh yeah, even outside my own life, things are bad. But their struggles are what's going on inside in their own life, their own personal trials. But even those things seem to be on the rise as we live in a society that's less kind to one another, more demanding with schedules that lack any kind of downtime, finances that lack any margin, and social media filled with throngs of people telling you how they are more successful in life than you are. Again, all of this leads to this feeling of hopelessness. You will never have the time or the money or the relationships like other people. So why try? You might as well stay in bed all day and just give up. That's the feeling that you have when you're feeling that way. When it feels impossible to get out of bed, it means you're probably depressed. You've lost hope that tomorrow's going to be better. And so you want to just ignore today. 
Or you might not feel like giving up, but instead you feel the crushing pressure to measure up. And so you figure the best way to accomplish more, earn more, and have more fulfilling relationships is that you should stay up and worry all night long through the night because maybe that will help you figure it out and find the happiness that everybody else is posting their pictures of on social media. So whether it's despair in the news or struggles in your personal life, any hope of a brighter future seems to be vanishing with so many people in our society. And most sadly, it's starting to become a pretty common picture by Christians as well. And I say it's sad because as Christians, we are to be defined by a different set of virtues than the rest of the world holds. Remember, we're in this series that we're calling Virtue Signals, where we're going to look at six virtues that we as Christians should be signaling to the world a demonstration that we are different than the world. We live differently. We hold a different set of values. Our perspectives on what's going on all around us is different because we put our hope in Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Master. And the reason that we as Christians can hold on to hope even in the midst of all the negative news around us is because we trust that no matter what we read or no matter what we feel or no matter how people are treating us, God is still in control. That's the truth that we can never let go of. God is in control. No ruler has been put in power for whom God didn't have a say. No natural disaster has caught God by surprise. COVID wasn't unexpected, and all the results that it's now brought to us three years later were all within God's plan. You see, God has a plan that he is working towards an ultimate end time where he's going to come back and he's going to judge all the world, and we've talked about that in the last series. And so, while I don't believe that God is making the bad things happen, that's part of the natural choice that people have in the world that we've messed up. He is working through it all to bring us to the end game that he has in store for us all. He knows that one day the trumpet's going to blow and time is going to run out on this earth. And if all that is true, then we have to be people of hope. Because God holds this world in his hands. And ultimately, no matter what we do to try to mess it up, he's going to get it to where he wants it. Where ultimately there is a new heaven and there is a new earth. And we live in this place where we have an eternity spent with God. Where everything is made right. And that's the hope that we hold on to. So obviously, today's message is about hope. But we have to define what Christian hope is. What does that Christian virtue look like? Because there's really two ways to look at hope. There's worldly hope and there's Christian hope. And how the Bible describes what hope is. Because if we use that word how the world uses it, then we're going to say, well, God, you let me down all the time. So worldly hope is when you put your faith in something or somebody to provide your preferred outcome. It's more like wishing or crossing your fingers that something's going to happen and it's all going to work out because you just hope it will. It's kind of like a week ago if a New York Jets fan says, I sure hope we win the Super Bowl. We've got Aaron Rodgers on our team. 
Well, we all saw how that turned out. <laughs> now they don't have Aaron Rodgers playing for them anymore. They put their hope in somebody who's fallible. And so, like so many times when we do that, you end up with this feeling of being let down. That's what happens when you have this worldly hope. You're continually let down because you're hoping in things that can't deliver. It's interesting to note that the majority of secular thinkers back in ancient times would have never called hope a virtue. They'd have said hope is not a virtue. It is merely a temporary illusion. It's fanciful thinking. Like, well, I hope that happens, but how would that be a virtue? You're grounding it on nothing. So they didn't value hope because they saw it for what it is, this worldly hope. It's not rooted in anything that can bring you to an assured future outcome. Instead, it's rooted in imperfect people or imperfect limited resources, both of which come up short. Because this type of hope has no guarantee, a lot of times what happens is you hope for something for a while and eventually you give up that hope. You say, that's never going to happen. That's never going to come true. And you just feel hurt. You feel let down. Proverbs 13, 12 describes this hope well. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. The longer you hope for something and it never happens, you just feel, ugh, about it all. Now, I'm not trying to say that this kind of hope is always wrong or evil, but to simply show that when the Bible talks about hope, it's not talking about just anything that you want to happen because you think that would be good. So, like, it's not a virtue to go to school and take a test in algebra that you didn't study for, but to just hope that you're still going to get an A and be like, God, give me an A. I hope this turns out for the best. Like, that's not the Christian virtue of hope. Christian hope is putting your hope, your faith, your trust in God to deliver the goods. And you can't have hope in God unless you have faith in Him. And so that's why when we looked last week at this first three parts of our series, in 1 Corinthians, Paul says these three remain, faith, hope, and love. Faith comes first because you can't hope in God unless you have a faith that God is real. He exists and that He's faithful to bring forth His promises. And so Christian hope is deeper than this worldly hope because it's rooted in somebody who can actually affect the outcome of the game, God himself. But while it is a firm foundation at its core, unlike worldly hope, it's also much more specific. In the world, we can hope for anything. I hope that it's going to be sunny out tomorrow. I hope that it's going to rain. I hope that my team's going to win. We can hope for anything. Christian hope, though, is much more specific. It's grounded specifically, specifically only in those things which God has promised to fulfill. We see this clearly in Hebrews chapter 10, 23. It says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And so the hope that's professed in this passage is the hope that we will be able to draw near to God with hearts and bodies made clean and pure by his shed blood for us. It's a very specific hope. That's the promise, is that one day we will be able to be with God. And so we can hold on to the hope only in the things that God has said, I promise I'll do that. 
I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll, you will be with me in paradise. I will forgive your sins. I will give you a new body, a resurrected body. I will give you a new heaven and a new earth where we will all be together. These are the promises that God lays out. These are the things that we can grab, hold unswervingly to, and say, that's where my hope is. It doesn't mean that as Christians we can just say, well, I prayed, and so now God has to give it to me, and I'm putting my hope in that. We can become very selfish in our hope very quickly. So we need to root it in what God has told us in his word he is already going to do. So how does this work out in practical terms? Christian hope is not like rubbing a magic genie's bottle and making three wishes. Specifically, while many people regularly hope that life goes smoothly, everybody's protected and safe, and they never face any challenges, experience any pain, or are dragged down by struggles in life, the fact is, Scripture tells us a different story. The Bible tells us not that hope will protect us from all suffering, but that hope will carry us through it. That's a big difference. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3 says, We remember before our God and Father your work produced by your faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Here Paul's congratulating them on their faith, their hope, and their love. He, he brings these three things together all over in his various letters. And to our point today, he's pointing out how their hope in Jesus inspired them to endure their difficulties. Their hope didn't protect them from difficulties, but what it did is it allowed them to go through it, to endure it, and to persevere through it. As Christians, hope can't protect us from hard things. Hope carries us through hard things. We see the same theme in Paul's letter to the Romans. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, he says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know, and this is the important part, we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. So let's be clear here now. Paul isn't a masochist saying that he wants everyone to glory in their pain for pain's sake. Like, that's not the point. He says, we glory in our suffering because he sees this ladder of development that leads to hope. He sees that ultimately as Christians, when we have suffering, we don't waste it, but suffering produces perseverance. We have to go through that suffering. We're given an opportunity to practice perseverance and endurance. And we may not like perseverance under pressure, but like carbon under pressure eventually turns into diamond, when we face those trials and troubles in life, God uses it by his Holy Spirit to shape our character. It forces us to learn grit, to learn the ability to go through these hard things and do it with joy and with peace rather than just getting angry at the world and feeling like everybody owes us because we're going through this hard thing. And ultimately, hope as a Christian virtue really isn't about our life being easy or comfortable. That character leads us to a hope that says, you know what, this suffering 
is forming who I am so that one day I will rejoice with God in heaven. It's leading me to become more like the person that God wants me to become. And so that's why the suffering leads to perseverance, perseverance to character, and character to hope. Because we have the hope that by going through the hard things, we will be formed like God, and one day we will see God. And so, in this world, we have to understand that we're going to go through things that are hard. We're going to be shaped by challenges. We're going to see that Ultimately, sometimes things don't go how we want. Sometimes the political party that gets elected isn't what we want. Sometimes the diagnosis isn't what we want. But no matter what the news tells us or the diagnosis from the doctor comes back, no matter how hard your life is or how bad you want to give up, no matter how anxious your situation makes you, if you have hope in God, then you have an anchor to keep you steady through whatever it is that he's going to carry you through. That's what Hebrews 6, 18 through 19 tells us. The writer there says, Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge, that's why we talk so often about God as our refuge or our strong tower, we can have great confidence as we hold on to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. I want you to take a moment to focus on that imagery as hope is an anchor for your soul. Your trust that he is in control is what allows you to keep calm when everything around you and everybody around you seems to be filled with chaos. Your belief that heaven awaits can keep you moving forward even when what looks like in the news is hell on this earth. When the world tries to rock you with shocking news or overwhelming storylines, your soul can stay tied to the truth that God is moving all of creation forward on his timeline to his planned completion. That's an important thing to grab onto, to trust and put our faith in so that we have a hope that no matter what things look like, when we start to worry that tomorrow's going to stink because of what's happening today, we say, no, tomorrow's going to be amazing because I know who holds tomorrow in his hands. And I know that ultimately he's using this mess to move us to a place that is going to be so glorious and so incredible for us all. So after describing what the virtue of hope looks like and what it doesn't look like, I want to help you live out your hope in God in a new way. Some of you might be sitting here today and you're hearing this message all about hope, but you have feelings of hopelessness that overtake you frequently. Maybe you look at the mean kids in your life who make you miserable not only at school, but also all night long on social media. Maybe you look at the endless list of things that you need to accomplish, all the ways that you're letting people down and all the things that could still go wrong. Maybe you look at your fixed income check each month and compare it to all your bills that keep piling up and you worry how you're ever going to make it. Or you look at the ways that you've crashed your life and made a mess for other people to clean up and you feel like life's just not worth it. You don't see a future and you don't expect anything's going to get better. Your life's been a mess for a long time. Why would it ever change? 
You don't know what else to do, so you just want to hide from the world. For others of you, you might be putting your hope in the wrong place. Rather than trusting in God, it's common to instead trust in something you can see, you can feel, you can touch. And so, for some of you, you might be putting your hope in things like your kids to help take care of you and to come visit you and to fulfill your relational needs and to help you with taking care of the house. And you find that your kids are really busy and they're kind of letting you down and you're struggling to not be upset with them for not giving you what you hoped that they would. Or maybe you've put your hope in retirement and all the free time you were going to have. And you thought, you know, if I could change my scenery from 8 to 5, then I would experience more joy and more peace because I don't have to go to that job. But retirement has let you down. And you're not experiencing the joy that you thought you would. Maybe you're putting your hope in things you can count. I know a lot of people who put their hope in their bank account. If I can get that bank account big enough then I don't have to worry about anything else or what's going on in the news. And so we like to put our hope in things we can count, like livestock or acres or markets and money, but we all know those things go up and they go down. And one year we can feel like we've got enough, and the very next year we can feel like we don't know how we're going to make it. It's not a foundation that you can put your feet in. Still others put their hope in a political party or a candidate. And this happens on both sides of the aisle. And then when their team wins, they're like, yeah, America, it's going to be great. And when their team loses, oh, they're going to shipwreck us and we're going to be destroyed. And we see it go back and forth. I've watched it with different people my whole life. And Jesus is saying, look, you know, I knew who was going to get elected every single time. He's not worried and so we can't be so wrapped up and worried about those things. So if either of these cases apply to you, then I challenge you to recognize that you've either lost your hope or you have misplaced it. And I hope that you will see that you need to make a change. Stop being so afraid of what's going on in this world or what's going on in your own life. And see that God is bigger than all of it. God controls all the world's affairs. God has a hope and a future that extends beyond this world. So there's nothing that anybody can do to you to extinguish your hope that God is one day going to make all things right. He's going to restore all that you've lost. He's going to set you free from your addictions. He's going to give you a new body and a new home and you're going to be surrounded by God's perfect glory. That is a guarantee. That's something you can put your feet on. That's a check that you can take to the bank. It's good. It may not happen immediately, but it's something that you can ground your life on, unlike so many other things in this world that are going to let you down. If you want to survive the chaos of this world, that's where you need to put your hope. That's the only anchor that you can tie your soul to. For those of you who've never wavered in recognizing that God is the only firm place to put your hope, the only solid ground that this world offers, you have an incredible opportunity in front of you. And this is why. Because the world lacks hope. And you know where to find it. Okay? This is the message to all of us as a church. We understand as Christians there is only one 
solid place to find hope. And the world is not looking for Jesus. They're looking, they're either giving up and saying this is terrible and I just need to get through it. I need to go to a doctor, give me some pills and help me through it. And I'm not trying to dismiss medication. I do understand there are chemical reasons where sometimes that can be very helpful, but I think that a lot of people are running to medication because they can't cope with life because they haven't found the place to put their hope, okay? And so some people are going this no-hope route. When we hear people talking about that, we need to understand that's a person who's lost their hope, and we know where to find it, and so we need to be willing and courageous enough to offer it, to say, you know what? I got a lot of junk in my life too, but I'm able to get through because my hope is in something bigger than what's going on in this world all around me. There's other people that you know and you talk to and you hear them put their hope in the wrong things. You hear them talk about the markets are up, this is great, my retirement account's doing awesome. And then, oh, the markets are down this month and they're terrible and they're worried and I can't afford this thing or that thing. And when you hear language of people who've misplaced their hope, we need to speak into those situations as well. And we need to say, you understand, you're going through this up and down roller coaster because you've put your hope in something that is not able to deliver consistent results. You need to put your hope in something that's solid. That's Jesus because ultimately in this whole world, we don't know what's going to happen in the future, but we do know who holds the future and where he's taking it. I won't argue that we do live in some strange times. <laughs> and every day we are one day closer to Jesus coming back. And for that reason, we should always live with the hope of his return and our own resurrection to new life. But we can't allow that worry of what we see going on bring us into a funk of despair and worry. We have to accept that at some level, we are all going to suffer at some point before our last day on this earth. It is completely inevitable. You are going to go through hard things, even if you want to hope it away. We can't hope it away. Trials, troubles, and challenges are assured. But how you endure those struggles is what you are able to choose. Will you give up hope and become a Debbie Downer who's always complaining about how bad the world has become? Or will you keep your eyes set on Jesus who's preparing to make all things new? Will you let hope carry you through the challenges that the world throws at you? I want to leave you with one final verse. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. We're given this instruction. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. We don't get to set the course of our lives. God's already marked that race out for each and every one of us. We get to choose how we're going to run that race. Will we give up? Will we anxiously worry? Or will we persevere with hope? Because our eyes, rather than staring at all the problems, are fixed on our Savior, Jesus Christ. Will you bow your heads with me as we pray?